You've tuned in to localjobnetwork.com radio and you're listening to the LJN Radio Quad, where our radio hosts gather to share their thoughts, ideas, and perspectives on all topics employment related. I'm Lynn Molitor, and joining me in the quad today is Jacqueline Peterson. Hello. Laura McBain. Hi, everyone. And Ashley Fitzgerald. Hello. We're going to jump right into today's topics by talking about change. I've often been told that I need to do a better job of embracing change, which is true. Bottom line, though, change is going to happen. So if you want to be a part of change, let's talk about a few things not to do. An article that all of us recently read suggested not to do these things. Make assumptions based on limited information or rumors. Get defensive or threaten not to change or subvert change efforts. So what did you think about this? I actually really liked the article because it was actually something that I struggled with when I first started at our organization. I I don't know where I got this mindset from, but I thought, you know, this is the way things aren't supposed to change. You just go in oh. and you do your job and, and that's what it is. <laughs> but I quickly learned that you, especially in our organization, when we're constantly reinventing ourselves, that you, you have to be like a duck. You got to let it roll off your back. And um, now I actually like change. Oh, wow. I think that's what keeps things exciting. And one of the things that I liked about here more than anything is um, threaten not to change or subvert to change efforts. I think that that's really important um, because a lot of times when you're talking to your team and you're like, okay, this is our new practice, our new procedure, our new policy, you do get a lot of pushback and they don't understand Mm -hmm. why. So what I always like to do is provide a rationale. And my rule of thumb has been, and I think that this is, you know, what has helped me adjust to change is try it. And then if you don't like it, provide feedback. But before you say no, mm-hmm. just um, try it. Just yeah. try it. And and then report what your thoughts are. That's good advice for me. Thank right. you, Jacqueline. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And I, you know, I thought one of the things that I caught out of here is the make assumptions based on limited information. Because I feel like People are just quick to judge things when they hear that there's going to be a change. And I, too, from working at this company, I, I love change. I mean, it, it's fast-paced. It's always giving you something new to think about. It's challenging you. And I think that's something that's really great about organizations and things to do. I think people get stagnant otherwise. And, you know, if there isn't change, and maybe bored with their role. But one of the interesting things that came to mind was I had recently um, went to the doctor's office and they were going through changes there. And all four receptionists that were sitting there were just bickering back and forth about this change that they're going to have. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm a customer. <laughs> right. I'm a client. <laughs> and, and you can hear And office? I can hear yeah. everything. They're all sitting at the reception oh, no. desk talking about it. So it just gives a bad perception to that as well. And they had no idea what the change was. You know, they were... <laughs> but they didn't like <laughs> it. They didn't like it. They... Yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, I just think it's one of those things that it, it affects everybody, depending on when you're talking about it, who you're talking to. And you definitely don't want to base it off of rumors that you're hearing either. So I thought that was a good point in the article. I have had a lot of instances in my career throughout the years, many, many decades ago. <laughs> Not that many. I am pretty old, but <laughs> where I've had to... We're the same age. <laughs> okay, I'm so young, it's not even funny. <laughs> but I've had to lead a lot of change within organizations and take organizations that were not very receptive to change. So, I mean, I can speak on behalf of people that, you know, lead the change. It's really hard to deal with when you get a lot of opposition to it and you get a lot of people 
being very defensive, like the article talked about, because, you know, you're going in there and you're changing things that probably have been done this way for 100 years. And now you're going in and telling people, well, we have to change this. And that's really, really hard. So I think that an important part of it is just getting buy-in from the people within the organization, as hard as that may be sometimes, and trying to fully explain why things have to happen and why things have to change, especially when you're dealing with organizations that aren't used to it. And that was, you know, way back in the government days, and (laughs) they weren't real receptive to change back then, so... I know for myself, I came from a conservative company, and it was quite large. So we had changed there, but there was such advanced um, notice and warning of it. So you could kind of build up to it. And when I left there to come here, I had some of my coworkers tell me that, I think, Lynn, you're going to have a hard time adjusting because it's going to be so fast-paced and it's going to be changed frequently. And they actually were right. I have to... I have to admit, Um, I know I, like I said, I do have a hard time accepting change. But what I've done personally is I challenge myself to accept it. It's like, you know, it's change, you know, you have to work on this. And so I think just admitting my, you know, deficiency has helped me. (laughs) So all of you, good luck out there if you're like me. So let's move on. Laura, you're going to introduce our next topic. Yes, I am. I've had a lot of instances over the years where I have become privy to things within the workplace that are, I don't know how to describe them. It's it's the difference between being a tattletale and being the responsible person. Now, I've caught people you know, in positions like maybe the purchasing person who's accidentally purchasing things that they're going to use at home or, oh. you know, things like that. Um, you know, it just runs the gamut. I mean, clearly illegal and not allowed to do that. And, you know, obviously those are the kinds of things that you hope that people turn in, you know. You know, you have to do the right thing there and say, hey, right. to your boss, just so you know, this has been happening. Now, the fact that this one instance, they didn't do anything about it, I mean, that was beyond my control and I couldn't go any further with it. But there's been a lot of different things that have happened over the years that you have to kind of, you know, balance it. You know, are you, you know, just telling things that maybe are are minuscule and, you know, don't need, you know, you don't need to notify people all the time? Or, you know, how do do you balance that within your workday? Because I think everybody comes across things like that. And sometimes there's that that test, you know, do you do you make someone aware of it or do you keep your mouth shut or where, where do you go? And I just, I would like, you know, input from everybody on how you guys reconcile these things. I actually was, you know, tattletale or responsible employee. I'm, you know, when I was looking at those two side by side, I was sort of trying to define, okay, what is the difference? And I think your definition helps a little bit. I think what you have to be careful of or or sort of what I decide is if this were to fall on the ears of my manager, how Mm -hmm. might this be perceived? And if it might be perceived in a way that maybe would be negative, then I right up front say, by the way, if in case you hear, this is what happened. Um, Because I think sometimes – you know, people do not, not sometimes people do talk. I mean, let's be honest. And you just need to make sure that if there was maybe a conflict or some sort of disagreement about something, it's usually something like that, where you're just like, hey, just want to give you a heads up. This happened. Um, I don't know. That's just kind of how I go through it. If it can be perceived negatively. 
I think like in the case, you know, where they're like that one example you gave, mm-hmm. they were like, that's stealing. That's clear cut. Yeah. 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 Um, it's I a think, no brainer. You know, those <laughs> yeah. are the ones that you do have to bring up because yeah. in case it would ever come out that you were aware. Oh, yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. Then you could go down on that ship that you really mm-hmm. had, mm-hmm. you know, oh, oh, yeah. you weren't part of it. But, you know, sometimes you're in situations where people will say, well, so-and-so knew about it, too. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, whoa. Right. I think in terms of, um, you know, maybe like telling a manager of uh, a certain behavior, whatever the, the yeah. specific example could be is, you know, um, you know, first and foremost, we're always trying to help out each other. Right. And a manager is in a position where they can um, see a pattern develop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to one person, it may seem like something small and trivial. And it's like, oh, I won't worry about it. But a manager is in a position to see that there could be a pattern and sometimes it's hard to help yeah. uh, a coworker or a subordinate or an equal if you know if you're not sharing that feedback with the manager so you know I'm always one to like let the manager know oh just so you know this is what happened right. you know you can decide if this is right. something you know important enough to bring up or not right. I, I lean more toward that way just mm-hmm. because we are such a small organization um, and like I said you know things do travel and so you just don't want your manager getting the wrong message or the wrong perception of maybe something that you heard or saw and that you're handling or or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I think like you said, it's it's tough, you know, just being in a smaller organization too because I think about for me, if I have to take something to my manager, is it worth it? That's the first thing that I think mm-hmm. about. Is it worth wasting their time and looking into this? Because I know that I'm waste, you know, I right. put in efforts on this. Yeah. So is it going to impact the company? from, you know, either good or bad or, you know, kind of taking issues. Because when I was looking at the responsible employer tattletale, you know, for me, tattletale is kind of like nitpicky things that aren't aren't necessarily going to impact the company. It's just more of a, oh, I want to bring this to your attention, Mm -hmm. but dot, dot, dot. You know, it's not anything that's really significant, whereas responsible employee is going to be something a little bit more, okay, here's how I see this affecting the company and, um why and how. And I think that's kind of where I took it from a different perspective a little bit more on what you should be bringing forward and what maybe not might not be the most beneficial use of time. Mm-hmm. That's Sorry. a good, good Did point that help, there. Laura? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just I've had this with every job I've ever been at. It, oh. It's so, I mean, there's always things oh, that you're exposed yeah. to that you think, ah, oh, do I need to push that forward or, or is that just being nitpicky like right. Ashley had just mentioned? Yeah. Well, good luck. Yeah. Thank you. Good luck luck to everyone. Yeah, good luck (laughs) developing that balance. (laughs) Okay, Ashley, next topic about planning meetings. Yes, absolutely. So time management is something that we really focus heavily on at this organization. I'm sure many other companies do. We actually recently had a time management class um, here for our employees as well. And so one of the things that tends to come to mind when I think about time management is managing, obviously, your team members. And, you know, on a weekly basis, um, meeting with team members, walking through certain things. Um, I've always struggled with, do I bulk all of my team meetings into one afternoon or something like that? Or do I spread them out throughout the week? Because I've done it both ways. And I feel like, 
you know, throughout the week it gets tough because um, you're, you know, doing the same thing and then it kind of puts a break into your day. Whereas if you do it all at once, I feel like the last person isn't getting the same attention as the first <laughs> right. person. So, you know, when it comes to that, I just wanted to grab what maybe you guys thought would be best practices, what you've experienced throughout the years, what might be able to help people trying to do the same thing from a time management perspective. I um, One of my positions many years ago was um, I was a resource manager. So I basically had to meet with um, 20 to 30 individuals during the course of a month. So I did have a month. Um, but they were one-on-one meetings. And um, mm-hmm. putting them all in one day was just exhaustive. Yeah. And to your point, Ashley, by the end of the day, you know, you just weren't as sharp as or, mm-hmm. <laughs> or, you exactly. know, right. or as engaged <laughs> as, you know, early in the day. So I always, um, like my one-on-one meetings, I definitely like to spread them out during the week. I don't like to do them back-to-back. I like to at least put a half hour in between. And it depends on your schedule, obviously. I always like to put a half hour Mm -hmm. buffer in there um, for, you know, catch up on email, bathroom break, whatever. And my own personal, what I tried to do, but it didn't always work, no one-on-ones on on Fridays. Oh. Because... You know, Friday, you're, you know, you might, you know, it was just like a good day to catch up. And it's also a common day that people like to take off. Sure. That's true. So then I didn't have to do a lot of uh, reorganizing or rescheduling. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. So that's that's just my input. I think it's easier if you only have a few people to deal with rather than, you know, like you're saying, 20 people. That's a lot. And you do get a little burned out talking to people about the same things over and over again. So, I mean, I think the way you handled it was good because you want to be able to give a fresh perspective to everyone and the same amount of attention to everyone and and quality Mm -hmm. opinions. (laughs) Yeah, quality. (laughs) I um I actually do what you do, Lynn, which is I spread out my meetings, but I actually have one of my status meetings on a Friday. Sorry, Tim, I'll change that to earlier in the week. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was just me personally. No, but I think it makes sense now that you bring it up because, you know, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I actually have a different perspective as to why I do it. The job that I currently, you know, that I'm doing requires me to be accessible at a moment's notice because I have you know, deadlines that can just pop up. Mm-hmm. And if I have back-to-back meetings, like, on a Monday all day, I'm not allotting myself any sort of wiggle room That's to be available. Oh, so yeah. for my particular role, I need to have breaks in my day in case somebody needs something that mm-hmm. I can, uh, you know, be there. Mm-hmm. Um, so so for that reason and that, that sort of angle, I definitely um, pepper them throughout the week so much that I do have one on a Friday, but no longer. Now that I've, now that I've <laughs> sorry, <laughs> um, no, but I also think that that's helpful for me too because having those one-on-one meetings, as you guys mentioned, can be exhausting, mm-hmm. and you really do want to give that person um, feedback as to what they're doing really well, what they need to tighten up on, what do they need help with, and you're right. I mean, if you've got four meetings in a day, yeah, that can definitely um, slow you down a little bit as far as your mental alertness goes. Yeah. Those are your points. Thanks. (laughs) Hope that helps. Yes. (laughs) It definitely evolves as you you go on. Exactly. But I think the important thing is I think all of us agree we want to give 100% to the people that we're meeting Mm -hmm. with. So regarding on what style works for each person. 
Yeah. It's all about the person. <laughs> okay. Once again, Jacqueline is going to bring the quad to a close with another real-life topic that many of us can relate to. I will say that I do like bringing up the rear. <laughs> I do. I love it. I was on swim team, and I was always like glad to be last. <laughs> so I feel like, you know, we're in a relay right, right now. Yeah. You guys are past... Yep. I'm about to get off. We just, yeah, yeah. we passed it on to you. <laughs> okay. Bring us home. Uh, All right. <laughs> well, I wanted to talk about a topic that I think a lot of people relate to, and that's, you know, company culture and participating in company events during, you know, quote unquote, non-work hours. Um, and I just wanted to get your thoughts and perspectives on what your opinion is on, obviously, we can't participate in every little thing because we do have other obligations, whether it's, you know, someone's flying in or, you know, right. you know, whatever it is. Family. Mm-hmm. Family, holidays, whatever. And um, but w- I just want to get your thoughts on, you know, why is it valuable to show up, you know, and, and um, at what and how much should you show up without it p- appearing that you're rude or uninterested? Because it can give that perception if you're if you're constantly saying no, 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 I'm not attending any of these non-work events. Um, you know, it might send the wrong message, especially if you're a company that likes to get together. Um, but then, you know, but you, you also have the flip side of you're, you're trying to, you know, not mm-hmm. necessarily do everything. So I, I just wanted to get your opinions. Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely a hard thing to balance considering how much time you typically spend at work and your off time may not be that much to be with your family. And so I think a lot of times it gets a little bit um, tougher to balance those. I think it's good, though, uh, even from a management perspective, to attend some of those non-work hours things just to see people outside of that, in their element, just kind of getting a better feel for their personalities, you know, outside of work as well. And I think sometimes that's um, a different way to draw that out of them if you're not meeting with them all the time or just, you know, um, working with them as closely. So I think it is good to go to different events. You know, as far as the number, personally, me, if I can make it, I will try to at least make it and up here, but if I can't, then you know, at least I know I've tried in the past and have gone to different events that are available too. And I don't think it's necessarily always that, unless it's a planned, you know, eight to whatever time frame, you have to stay the full time either. So you might like duck out a little bit earlier. Sure, but at least as you're showing up for a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. I think it's it's well worth doing. Mm-hmm. I think it just shows that you're invested in the company too, and that you know, if you never go to those things that aren't scheduled during the work hours, then I just think it sets the tone for, you know, maybe you're not really invested in the company and you're not really there for the long haul. Whereas if you're at least making an effort not to go to maybe every single one, but, you know, to some of them, you know, and understanding, of course, that there's family things that go on, and especially because some of these things are on the weekends or maybe after hours, and that can be difficult, you know, especially if you're raising a family and have young kids or something like that at home. So, I just think you really need to make an effort to participate in some things. I don't think you need to be there for everything, but, you know, it just shows that, you know, you really want to be a part of that company. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing, too, is 
it shows if you want to engage with your coworkers. That's how I always kind of yeah. took the some of these social activities after after hours. Um, you know, it was how much do you want to get to know your coworkers on a personal basis, and not just always about work. Right. Now, with that said. Um, as you know, in my last position, you know, we all started out together. We were young and single, and you know, we were going out. Heck, <laughs> we would go out almost every <laughs> Tell night. Tell us after about your oh nights, Lynn. <laughs> Where is, were you going? I know, which is kind of funny because, as you know, I don't. I'm not. An, I don't drink alcohol, so I was always a good person to be with because you always knew you could get home. <laughs> Um, but then as um, people started having families, then the after uh, the after work type of a outing mm-hmm. wasn't considered a perk anymore. It was almost, you know, it was mm-hmm. it was like, well, we can't make it, you know, and people had kid kid duties mm-hmm. and after school events. And so the the after work type things have uh, been a challenge I think when you have an older workforce yeah. right so then I think the challenge is on the company and the leadership how to create that same type mm-hmm. of environment for uh, a set of workers that can't do after after uh, work things so I used to uh, with my team years ago I would treat them out to lunch once a month now I had a small team that was not when I had the 20 to 30. <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah, no. Wow. <laughs> no, that lunch. did not work. <laughs> you know, so I would take, you know, take time to actually put it on their their calendars. And, you know, it was a time for us to kind of be in a social setting for an hour uh, once mm-hmm. a month. So, but that evolved because of changing demographics or whatever you will. Now, right. with that said, there were still people who would bag out on me. Mm-hmm. Even though it During was scheduled, lunch? yeah. Ooh. Well, sometimes you know you have a project heat up, or and I know I have a, a a friend of mine. She's trying. She tries to plan lunches too, and she still gets people backing out. So yeah, it's always that balance. I don't know what the answer is. I gave up on those lunches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when we used to go to lunch a long time ago. Right, yeah, I don't think I've been to lunch with anyone in right. years. <laughs> not kidding. There are those people though that do not want. Just, you know, That's go true. on with coworkers. Yeah. Yes. Work is work, and then I want to go home after that. And then they draw that line, and they they really stick to it, and it's and, odd. And that's the thing that I think you have to be careful of for our listeners out there. I think that that mentality might send the wrong impression, mm-hmm. and I think that that's why you have to pick and choose, to Ashley's point, okay, I n- am not necessarily going to attend all of these events, but even if I can show up, there's a happy hour after work, let's say 5 o'clock, maybe show up for the first hour mm-hmm. if it's going two hours. Yeah. Or right. even 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. hour. Yeah, stop in, say hi. Just stop in, say hi. But I think, yeah, to your point, it, 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 the perception that you give off in that regard is not necessarily a good one. And, you know, and I live in Chicago and I work in Milwaukee, so I can't always make every event either. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but so I, I am one person that has to pick and choose. Right. Um, but, you know, you I mean, you you I think if you want to show that you're invested in the organization mm-hmm. and you want to foster those relationships with your colleagues, you have to put that time in. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. That was another good topic, Jacqueline. I, I <laughs> anxiously await what next week's <laughs> final topic of the day will be. <laughs> All right. The rest of our day is waiting for us, so we have to end our conversation here. 
If you would like to suggest topics for discussion on the LJN Radio Quad, send a message to Radio at localjobnetwork.com. Try and influence Jacqueline's last topic of the day. For Jacqueline Peterson, Laura McBain, and Ashley Fitzgerald, I'm Lynn Molitor. Thanks for listening.